This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Oh, and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal News Show. Join you every morning at 8 a.m. UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Thank you, as always, for joining me uh, today at indeed 8 a.m. We're back to your usually scheduled programming. It's very much appreciated uh, for you joining me. Uh, and I hope that this is going to be a strong start to what is, of course, yes, I hate to break it to you, but it is the international break. It's back. It is in our lives, and that, I know, means that the interest around Arsenal and that your feelings towards the club become, well, they don't diminish in any way, but they just kind of get more frustrated, and and I think it's always important to appreciate these times. I, I've grown to kind of learn to to like the, the international break because it provides us with, well, the kind of the clues in the name. It provides us with a, a break, and I think sometimes a break is a good thing, uh, especially when you have a chaotic season and Arsenal forms so much of our lives in the sense of the emotion that it brings, the disappointment that it can bring, how it can affect the mood of an entire weekend. So relish the fact that we have a weekend off. Um, of course, continue to tune in. And I always say this, I'm like, those that tune in during the international break from Monday to the following Friday, the following week, you know, it shows real commitment and you are appreciated hugely, especially on a Sunday. Sunday on the international break is a tough day. Um, so when you guys tune in, it is very much appreciated. So thank you for doing so. Uh, do drop a like on the video. Do subscribe to the channel if you're new and turn those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. Good morning to those joining us in the chat box. Paul, Jimbo, Damien, Glenn, uh, Chima. We've got Johnny, Martin, Matt G, Granddaddy, Gooder, Paul, Morgie. Uh, we've got Carl and Lars and old Dave and Stevie and Rob. We've got uh, Stephen and Ray, uh, Rowan, Grantly Poos, Front Row, Maximius, George, David, and plenty more of you guys as well. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. It is appreciated. Um, I hope that you've had a really good weekend. Uh, I spoke yesterday. If you haven't watched yesterday's show, we did the whole reaction to the Burnley game. I know it wasn't at 8 a.m. It was in the evening, so apologies again for that. But if you've not given that a watch, please make sure you go and catch up. It's certainly worth 
doing. Um, so yes, please, please, please go and do that. Right, uh, let's jump in today's stories, shall we? We kick off with a fantastic victory in the WSL yesterday. Uh, Arsenal women beating uh, Leicester City in what was a brilliant performance and a brilliant comeback because Arsenal, as we know, and as I continue to mention, uh, have not had the easiest starts to the WSL season uh, and their season in general after the disappointment of the summer. And when we went 2-0 down at half time, I was thinking, oh, all that work, all that brilliant result against Man City the other week. Just it's gonna get we're gonna lose it. Uh, but no. Uh Chloe Lacasse, Alessia Russo getting Arsenal back into the game with two goals in, in three minutes. Caitlin Ford scoring a fantastic goal. Victoria Palova, who had just has been so sensational. Uh and Stina Blackstenius, who I really bigged up in the last show. We talked about um uh, genocide of our side who uh, has had a really good season because I, I you know it's difficult not to feel for Stina because you bring in you've got Beth Mead and Viv coming back and you've got you've brought in Lacasse another forward you've brought in Russo of course as well uh we've got Hertig as well to, to give us loads of options I mean I'll tell you what if Mikel Arteta's side had as many attacking options uh as, as we do in 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 Jonas's team you know, I think it's an inspiration, I think, for Edu to look to what Arsenal can try and do. They've got so much attacking threat. Um, but as Musa says, the women's team feels a little bit unbalanced because we've got so, it's such a striker-heavy group. Um, and we do need to, I think, balance things out and probably add some more depth. In the defensive line, when Leah comes back, obviously it's going to be a big, big, um, you know, a big benefit to us. But, uh, yeah, fingers crossed that, that soon. Um, she continues to... to um, to get her rehabilitation going after that serious injury. And hopefully we see her very soon. But yeah, it's uh, some fantastic football has played. I recommend you going and catching up on the game if you've not uh, been able to do so already. Uh, moving forwards, uh, Fabregas. Yes, that one. Cesc Fabregas has taken the head coaching role at Como. This is, of course, a club that he has some attachments to. I'm not sure if he has a stake in the club. I think he might do. He ended his career there, but then has gone into coaching. And of course, did some coaching uh, at Arsenal. He was working with Jack Wilshere with the youth side as well, and now is taking um, taking on a uh, a show specific a show. He's taken on a club to to try and obviously start and kick off this coaching career. So I'm pretty sure that that's going to be an interesting one to follow, and we'll see how he gets on in his job. Um, but uh, yeah, Como, uh, the Italian side. If you've ever been to to Lake Como. I know it's an amazing place, so I recommend it. Um, and uh, Cesc Fabregas taking over uh, is is a really, really interesting appointment, I think. Um, so it makes sense because he's got so many tyres to the club, but we're going to have to wait and see and we'll, we'll be looking um, We'll be looking specifically at that. Have I got this shirt yet? No, I haven't. Um, there's something about blue shirts. Uh, <laughs> I'm so petty. But the blue just reminds me a little bit of Cesc Fabregas in a Chelsea shirt, and I'm not sure I, I could do that. Santi Cazorla in a dark navy blue Real Oviedo shirt's like different, so I don't have that same frustration. But uh, yeah, Chelsea blue with Cesc Fabregas' name, it haunts me still, so I won't be getting this one. Um, now, we did talk about the Premier League results from the weekend. It was a stunning weekend of football. Some amazing results, some fantastic games, great drama. Wolves... I mean, thank you. Just thank you. We could all send those thank you cards to 
to Wolverhampton this weekend for their brilliant comeback against Tottenham. We talked a bit about that yesterday. Uh, Arsenal, of course, we know beat Burnley 3-1. Everton with a fantastic result for them. Uh, 3-2 over Crystal Palace away from home. Manchester United scraping through against Luton Town. Bournemouth beating Newcastle in a big game, which then saw a viral clip of Kieran Trippier in quite a heated discussion with his own supporters uh, at the Bournemouth ground. This is a Bournemouth side that Arsenal utterly took apart and destroyed in their 4-0 victory at the Vitality Stadium. Uh, Aston Villa continued their strong form, uh, responding to that defeat last week against Nottingham Forest with a 3-1 win against Fulham. Brighton dropping more points, uh, 1-1 with Sheffield United. So, you know, apparently it's only Sheffield United that Eddie scored against uh, with a hat-trick, but they're taking points off Brighton now. Liverpool winning 3-0. There were suggestions of a potential red card for Endo. We talked about that yesterday. I, for one, didn't think that it should have been a red card. Um, West Ham United winning, coming back again uh, and beating Nottingham Forest 3-2. And then the game of the weekend, Chelsea 4, Manchester City 4 in what was obviously a very, very good game uh, at Stamford Bridge, one which Arsenal will be very thankful for because it looked as though Rodri had won the game by scoring that deflected strike late on, but a penalty which former Manchester City player Cole Palmer was able to brilliantly stun Edison with a a strike into the top left uh, and take away a point from the game and perhaps bring more context to that draw that Arsenal, of course, got at Chelsea not so long ago as well. And how does that leave the table? Well, the Premier League table is looking a lot healthier from an Arsenal perspective. You know, there were, I remember when we were in a situation where had we have dropped points, uh, we would have dropped to something like fourth or fifth in the table uh, had Aston Villa beaten Nottingham Forest. I remember that. And I remember people saying that, I mean, to be fair, had Aston Villa beaten Nottingham Forest, they'd be second right now. <laughs> Um, but they didn't. And I suppose that's the difference between big teams and, and the rest is that the team that you're supposed to beat, you don't. Like Wolves, for instance. <laughs> um, but it leaves the Premier League table looking very interesting indeed. Manchester City on 28 points. Liverpool and Arsenal both on 27. Tottenham in fourth on 26. And Aston Villa in fifth on 25. It's almost like it can change at the drop of a hat. And next weekend, it is so important that Arsenal win their game against Brentford. Because Liverpool play Man City and Villa play Spurs. It could be a great opportunity for Arsenal to put daylight between themselves and a number of their other teams because at least two of those teams will be dropping points. At least two. We hope that they're draws. But at least two of those teams... Well, we actually hope for a Villa win, I suppose, but uh, more than anything. But yes. Uh, sorry, I suppose the, the game after next week. But the next match week, because uh, we've got the international break. But it's really important that in the next match week, Arsenal beat Brentford because if we don't we are wasting a huge opportunity to progress somewhere in the Premier League table and you know we've already got a result of Brentford but it didn't come easy and yes we changed a lot of players but hopefully we can welcome players like Martin Odegaard back to the team maybe Gabriel Jesus will be ready to come back to the team I guess we'll have to wait and see Um, but the Premier League is looking very interesting in the bottom half of the table uh, that Chelsea win means that they stay obviously in 10th uh, Brentford dropped to 11th place. Wolves moved up to 12th. That's the, uh, Crystal Palace and their defeat uh, to Everton moved down to 13th and Everton moving up to 14th. Forest dropping down to 15th. Fulham also dropping down to 16th. And Bournemouth jumped out of the relegation zone after their win against Newcastle into 17th place. Luton Town on six points in 18th place. Three points off of safety now. Sheffield United on five. Burnley, who Arsenal beat, of course, sit at the bottom of the table, having lost the last five games on just four points, having won just one game 
all season. Same as Luton, same as Sheffield United. Very disappointed. I think it's probably the, the worst bottom three um, that we've had. Uh, and they're all the promoted sides, every single promoted champion, which is not normal. I know they're usually quite far down, but it's not usually that normal to see all three promoted teams sitting at the base of the table. Now, Maurizio Pochettino came out, of course, as we know, to discuss uh, Arteta. If you remember, he was actually asked about um, the uh, the comments that uh, he had made um, and that Arteta's... Um, that the decisions with VAR, you may remember this. Um, and I think that what we saw at the weekend between uh, Mauricio Pochettino at the end of the game um, regarding the, I think the whistle, I think he may have been most annoyed uh, about the whistle. Now we heard Ange Postacoglu talk about this and he was like, uh, I was taught that you grow up and you respect the officials in the same game that he was booked by the officials for not respecting the officials. Yes, that, that actually happened. Um, now, Pochettino was speaking after the game, um, sorry, before the game this weekend and after his game, I think in the Chelsea fixture, he says, um, I think we are frustrated. Okay, maybe we, have a, uh, maybe we have a different, you know, one win, another loss, but I agree with him. But that is football and we want or we wanted and we allowed the technology to arrive and now we cannot complain. If I remember when I was here, I think I start to implement the VAR and I'd said, I do not agree about VAR. But after I support the VAR and now we need to support, but we have to need to try to find the best way to use it. Always it is difficult because we can see or we are seeing many, you know, things that is difficult to see and to check and to check and to check. And today I think we play 110 or 120 minutes. That was the Spurs game. Uh, I don't know if it's one o'clock in the morning or two o'clock now. You know, it's really tough. He added, but that is football. And, you know, we all we're all open to receive the technology. We, I don't want to remember, but too many coaches wanted the VAR. And then when you say against, you know, now we know that it is, it's a disgrace and that it is, you know, it's difficult. I'm not talking about Mikel Arteta. <laughs> I mean, he definitely was. <laughs> the balance is really difficult, but it's football and we need to try and help all together to improve this type of thing. Because if not, in a competitive game like today, I think the five goals disallowed, you know. And then we see these images, right? We see these images of Maurizio Pochettino approaching Anthony Taylor after the game against Man City, utterly incensed and angry. I've got, got a problem with, you know, uh, coaches being angry at officials. I think coaches should be allowed to express their frustration and their anger at officials for decisions that have gone against them. And there is no way on God's green earth that they played the correct amount of time in yesterday's game. Chelsea were on the counter-attack. Kukurea, I think it was, right at the end of the game. There had been a penalty given. There was a huge amount of stoppage in those eight added minutes, a massive amount of stoppage in those eight, uh, uh, those eight added minutes. And then eventually, of course, the penalty was taken. And the game ended after about a minute or so of extra time played on top of the eighth uh, minute, which was nowhere near representative of how much time was actually stopped during those eight minutes of play. And Mauricio Pochettino was quite rightly very frustrated. But there is hypocrisy there. You can't one minute turn around in a press conference and let's be honest, he hinted towards Arteta. He says, I'm not talking about Arteta, but he so is. I know he's talking specifically about the VAR um, uh, in that. And he says the words, um, I don't want to remember, but too many coaches wanted VAR. And then when you say against you, now we know what it is. Uh, it's a disgrace. And that is, you know, it's difficult. I mean, he used the exact word that Arteta used. There's no way that he wasn't at least subconsciously talking about Arteta 
But the hypocrisy to to say all those things and then lose your head the way that he did, uh, I just find there's some inconsistencies there. And not only that, but what was rather interesting is that we saw Deserby come out with some very interesting comments yesterday after Brighton's draw with um, with uh, Sheffield United. I mean, listen, listen to these comments. They are absolutely mad. He says, I am honest and clear. Now, listen to those two words very carefully. He says, I am honest and clear. That's how he starts off. And we'll come back to that. He says, I'm honest and clear. I don't like 80% of England's referees. Asked to explain his comments, he says, it's not a new thing. I don't like them. I don't like their behavior on the pitch. He says, I have to think only of my players. It's not my job. I accept everything. And it was a very poignant. And the reason why I'm saying to you, remember those words, is because before... I think it was before the the Champions League game in Arteta's Sevilla press conference. He used those specific words again. And so it seems that managers are using these specific words. Um, so he was asked on what he said after the game at Newcastle. Remember, I'll just read you the, the Zerbi quote one more time. So in case you just missed it from me. Um, he says, I am honest and clear. I don't like 80% of England's referees. That's what Zerbi said. Listen to what uh, Arteta said ahead of the Sevilla game. He says, it is my duty to stand in front of you, to stand in front of the cameras and give a very clear and honest assessment of what happens in the game. So that's what Arteta said before Sevilla. And then you've got De Zerbi saying, I am honest and clear. I don't like 80% of England's referees. Coincidence? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think he is using and he has listened to Arteta's words and I think he has used that specifically to use in a comment against referees. And I don't blame Deserby for those comments. The same way I was very empathetic of Arteta's comments, I think maybe Arteta was a little bit exaggerative in the press conference. And I certainly am very happy to say that. But I respect the honesty. And I think when he says in his press conference, we have to be honest and clear, um, you know, you got Deserby doing that as well. So very intriguing comments from the manager. Now, quickly, before we move to part two, because this is very extended part one, a couple of transfer lines for you. Uh, according to the Mirror, Douglas Louise will have to agitate uh, for a move to Arsenal in January. Uh, of course, we've said before and we've, we've discussed the £60 million suggested price tag of Douglas Louise. If he wants to make that move to Arsenal, he is going to have to kick up a bit of a fuss. Uh, it seems, at uh, at Villa to get that move done. There are suggestions that he's keen on moving and taking his career to another level by making a move, but to get a deal done, having just signed a brand new deal, he's going to have to kind of kick up a bit of a fuss to get that done, apparently. So that's according to the mirror. Uh, Martin Zubamendi, another player that obviously has been talked about a lot. Uh, Fabrizio Romano says that the player is not thinking about leaving Lareal yet, but has admitted that there is interest, and we've known there's been interest in the player for quite some time. It's been around for uh, 18 months to 24 months as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think that um, Zubamendi as a player, is obviously very talented. And if Arsenal get hold of him, it would be an excellent kind of replacement for Thomas Partey. But I think there is also scope to suggest that maybe Declan Rice's future is more of a number six. And Zubamendi plays not as a six or an eight. He is very much, for me, a number six, a defensive midfielder, not a box-to-box midfielder, unless Arteta thinks he can change him. And so, therefore, maybe Martin Zubamendi makes the most sense to play uh, if you're going to develop Rice more so into a... Uh, a box-to-box type midfielder. So that's a decision that I guess has to be made depending upon who Arsenal sign. Right, uh, despite it being Monday and us doing a show 12 hours ago, we've managed to go for nearly 20 minutes on part one. Uh, so let's uh, jump to part two and your questions right after this. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, uh, let's jump into the chat book, shall we? And see what questions you've got to ask me this morning. Because yesterday evening, I'll tell you what, we had tomatoes being talked about. We had some crazy things. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping that everything's going to be okay. Uh, Cass says, for Fana, for me and not Louise, I think we should hold off until the summer. Um, I do tend to agree. Uh, I think that for Fana is, is my number one pick for the player that I'd like to come in. Uh, I've mentioned that a number of times. Uh, Louis says, should we be worried Chelsea are becoming less, well, Chelsea? Um, a little bit. You know, I think we should absolutely be, what's the word, aware of the threat that they possess. They obviously have got loads of talented players. They have got, um, you know, amazing wealth uh, at their club as well that they can go and strengthen it more if they want to. But we just need to hope that they finish outside the Champions League places again. Um, we really need them to not be in the Champions League next season for the financial side of things to, to catch up with them and to not benefit from that tournament. So let's hope that this result against City and the result against Spurs is not a sign of things changing too dramatically. And we can hope that maybe we will uh, we'll see them still collapse and have some very, very difficult games. Um, Tulip says, uh, do you think that we can sign two minimum in January? If yes, who for me would it be? Uh, for Fana and um, oh no! Now uh, there's a funny part to this question that Tulip has absolutely no idea what he's just done to me. Um, but when he says Coop, he's talking about a Dutch player that currently plays for Atalanta. Now I met a very nice guy uh, at the Tollington who uh, told me that my pronunciations for this player have been incredibly wrong. And you know what the horrible thing is? Is that I can't remember what he said in regards to how it's pro- how it's pronounced um so butcher me in the comments all you like but tulip's question is <laughs> here we go um i love that you guys are just throwing his name into the chat box as if that helps me pronunciate pronunciate i can't even say that word pronounces correct correctly anyway tulip's question is do you think we can sign two minimum in january if yes who for me it will be Fafana and Cup Miners. I don't know if that's right, but that's what I'm going with. Um, I'm going to go Cup Miners. Uh, I might be very, very wrong, um, but there you go. Uh, some people say Coop Miners. I've gone with Cup Miners. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Deary me. Um, I, I think if do I think we can get two minimum in January? Well. 
I think that there is scope for it, but Arsenal would have to sell for that to happen. Um, we'd have to make money in the market. I think minimum, hopefully one. And I say hopefully one. It's not a guarantee of one. But the idea of saying minimum two, I, I'm very, very sceptical uh, of the idea of that. Uh, so there you go. Uh, that hopefully answers your your question. Uh, Philad says, Tom, who's the most important player in the club between Erdegaard, Saka, Saliba, Jesus and Martinelli? Um, I think it's Saliba. I think it's quite comfortably Saliba. I think he is uh, the most important player to this team. Um, yes, we have depth and Tommy Asu's form is certainly a welcome depth that we have. It used to be Saka, but I just think Saliba is is quite, by some distance actually, you know, the most. I mean, we beat Manchester City without Saka. And yet when we lost Saliba, that was a huge, huge miss when we went to the Etihad last season. So yeah, I, I do think that Saliba is the most important player. Um, Kai, or Cal, sorry. Uh, Cal says, uh, which Poch comment is the funniest? Um, sorry, which of Poch's comments is the funniest part is Arteta wasn't even a manager when the decision to bring VAR into the Premier League was decided, I guess so. I guess there's some uh, uh, some irony in that statement, isn't there? Uh, Nunyan says, uh, if Ramsdale pushes for a move, do you think the club will let him leave in January? I don't think so. Uh, Arteta kind of said in his press conference that he shouldn't rush any decision. So that's certainly very, very interesting indeed. Uh, Malaki says, Tom, I was unsubscribed by YouTube. What's going on, I wonder? I've don't no idea. That's not good. How dare YouTube unsubscribe people without me saying? <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. Well, Malaki, you need to resubscribe. Just, uh, that's a good point, actually. I was, uh, and I'll tell you what, well, you guys have done a great job in this because I remember when I used to kind of really push this forwards. Um, but uh, I was looking at the analytics yesterday because we had a whole thing on YouTube the other couple of days. So it's got a bit weird on YouTube. Maybe that's a reason as to why. But uh, we used to be like 40% of the people that listen to the show were subscribed to the channel. And I started saying that and talking about the fact that only 40% of you guys that are watching has actually subscribed. It's now 60%, which is great. Um, I love that 60% of the people that are watching the show is subscribed. I think we can get that higher, though, surely. We'd be, surely we've got to get into the 70s. 70% of the people that are watching our show. So if you're watching this show and you're not subbed, just check. You may not even realize. You may be getting these shows because they're in your suggested feed rather than your following feed. But I, you just, just click that subscribe button really it's really easy so uh so there you go um louis says mine showed unsubscribed on another channel and then i refreshed it and subscribed again it was just a glitch um louis doesn't want to tell us what that channel was i wonder if it was something dodgy louis i think uh, damien says in the debate about the best footballer why don't defenders or keepers ever get mentioned in that it seems that you have to be an attacking player to be the best it's a really good question damien and one certainly that gets continually talked about um when it comes to uh, when it comes specifically to kind of the Ballon d'Or and things like that, uh, I think that defenders and goalkeepers, goalkeepers, I suppose, have their own award, which is the um, uh, the Yashin Trophy. But uh, defenders, in particular, do not get the credit that they deserve and absolutely have deserved. And defensive midfielders, you could argue as well. You know, I think Rodri was up there with the best players in the world and deserved potentially to get um, awarded for that. But uh, yeah, I, they just don't. It's, I think it's an obvious answer when you say, why don't they get it? It's because obviously attacking players have so much more tangible like clips and videos and memorable moments than defenders do. So that is why. Um, but yeah, I agree with Dow. Rodri is City's best player and he's a defensive midfielder. And I, I absolutely agree with that. Rodri is 100% 
Manchester City's best player. And I, I rate him higher as a player than Erling Haaland. He's just so clutch for them. Like the goal he scored yesterday, the goal he scored at the Emirates a couple of seasons ago, how good he is defensively. Like he's so good. So good. Dale also says that Alisson is, is Liverpool's best player. I don't agree with that. I think Salah is certainly Liverpool's best player, but very, very, very good indeed. Um, Louis says, I'm not cheating on you, Tom, I swear. Hey, you can go and watch whoever you want to watch. You know, you can watch people that don't agree, just, you know, don't agree with me. I think it's always good to broaden your, um, your, your kind of views and get different people's opinions and then come back here and learn why they're wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah it's certainly worth it uh, but go and listen to you know especially you know if you want to get a different point of view and understand like why it's um, it's not always accurate Dan Potts is, is a great person to go and listen to for a different point of view and then you can come and listen to me explain why Dan's wrong about whatever he's talking about um, Martin says I love the way the media will top them will bounce back if we lost two games on the trot it'd be we said the wheels would come off. Uh, yeah, it's so true, isn't it? You know, um, Spurs get a lot more leeway than us. Spurs get a lot more likes than, like, as in like, not likes on social media, but like they get more, a lot of people liking them in the media because um, I don't really know. I don't know why there's a desperation to kind of like back Spurs. It's just, it's not really something I'm, I'm too keen on. Um, so yeah, it's very strange. It's very strange indeed. I don't really understand it. Uh, Kiros says, good morning, Tom and everyone. Subs is not the problem here, but it's likes. Uh, on your videos per viewer, it's like six to eight percent. How do you know this? Has Kirill been like going through all the analytics on my? You I don't even know how you can do that. Six to eight percent likes. Do I not hype up likes enough? I'm just not that YouTuber that's like smash the like button. Make sure you smash it. <laughs> I'm not that guy. Um, so smash the like button, you know, guys, please. That'd be great if you could. We used to, I used to do a thing where I was like, if we can get to a thousand likes, it'd be amazing. I haven't feel like I've done that in a while. So maybe we need to start encouraging you guys to try and get us a thousand likes. So let's, let's, that's your challenge today. So if you've got one job this morning, other than obviously looking after using yours, um, please, please do just, just click that little thumbs up because it really helps us, especially like an in international break. If we can get a thousand likes on a video in an international break, that's got to count for something. That's got to be that's got to be one of the most incredible achievements ever achieved by a YouTuber. <laughs> I mean, no one. I don't think it's ever happened. I don't think you'll find a single video uploaded by a single creator at all during this international break. There's a thousand. I think it's it's never been done. You know, even Casey Neistat. I don't think has been able to do it with like six million or ten million subs or whatever it is. So if we can get a thousand on this video, it shows the power of the Arsenal fan base. So let's let's see if we can get. Um, let's see if we can get this video to a thousand during an international. It will be an amazing if we can get every show to a thousand. I don't think that will happen. Realistic, and we're always about realism here. But let's see if we can get to a thousand in today's show. Uh, Rob says it's tricky to get to a thousand when we haven't got a thousand watching right now. Ah, but you're forgetting out the people on catch up, Rob. There's people that listen to this on catch up, mate. And so that's the difference is that if we can get people that watch the show later because our good friends over in the US and in South America and those that are maybe in Australia right now and are sleeping or have woken up and they're still a little bit tired and haven't realized that there's a like button that exists. It's about it's about everybody, Rob. It's a team effort. You know, it's a team effort. So let's let's see if we can do that. But there is oh, there is nearly 900 of you here watching. So if you haven't dropped a like on the video yet, Please make sure you do that. I think that's the most I've ever pushed for a like in a video. So there you go. I've gone full YouTuber at this stage. Uh, Fuad says, Tom, I know you're not a finance guy, but does the FFP situation we have going on carry into next summer's 
transfer window and we won't be able to spend big until we sell important players. I'd be lying if I said that I'm an expert in this field and I'm not, you know, and, I, and you've just started off your question by saying, I know you're not a finance guy. So I think it's always important to, to say that. Um, I think that uh, it's obviously not going to be as impactful as it was at the end of last window because it is a year by year thing. January is obviously included in in that that financial year, so that's obviously affected by the summer and then into January. But the summer should be more free, if you like. Um, so yeah, let's let's wait and see what happens. But uh, I, for one, think that you know the FFP situation is a little bit understated, and that people aren't necessarily as empathetic to that because they think you know we're Arsenal Football Club we're competing for titles we've got loads of money we've spent loads of money why can't we spend more money and I don't think they're really necessarily um understand it Magambo it's a great example here FFP is a joke and you have to break FFP if you're going to win and the Champions League without breaking FFP so no you don't have to do that and you may end up very much regretting breaking FFP regulations down the line and then you'll be like well, why did we do that why did Arteta do that why did Edu do that you know get them out of the club they can't do this it's ridiculous so yeah just be careful when doing that because it's uh it's, it's very very difficult Darren says some reports are saying that four players will have to be offloaded just to get Tony and I mean who are those four players going to be I don't think there's a group of four players that it's worth getting rid of to get get Tony <laughs> I really don't think that there is uh, Stephen says, can we talk about Havertz? Uh, I was willing to give him my full support, but 12 games in, I'm starting to think that he has been a bit of a flop. Uh, how long will Arteta persist with him if he doesn't improve? I, I, I guess we'll find out uh, is the answer because, yes, we've had some encouraging moments. I thought he was good against uh, Sevilla. I thought he was good at Newcastle. Um, so we've had some encouraging signs, but he wasn't great against Burnley. Um, he really wasn't. It really was not in the game in the same way that he was in the last two fixtures. So that was really disappointing, I thought. And that's probably why he was brought off fairly early in the first half. I don't think there was any questions about fitness issue with Havertz. I don't know. Maybe I missed that. But um, I, he was brought up, brought off pretty early in the first half. So uh, in the second half, sorry. So I thought that was maybe something that wasn't necessarily touched upon by many. Um, Maximir says, uh, Hi Tom, should be worried about the lack of creativity in our team. Without Odegaard, we find it tough to create chances. Even against Burnley, we had to depend on two corners for our goals. Uh, let's have a look, shall we, at Arsenal's last number of fixtures for chance creation. I suppose, have I got uh, have I got Scout access on this laptop? It's on my old laptop, so it's like, uh, it's going to be really annoying if I can't access it. But if we have a look at... Um, Chance creation. Oh, we're logging in. Oh, we might actually have it. That's a good sign. Just because I'm curious to see kind of like since Erdegaard's been at the team, have we drastically created less chances than than previously? Do we have a metric for that? Uh, I suppose shots, isn't it? Shots is probably the best way of, uh, of looking at it. So let's get rid of show opponents and zoom out a little bit. Right. So against Burnley, we had 14 shots. Against Sevilla, 11. Against Newcastle, 13 against West Ham, 13, of which one of those, of course, was Odegaard's goal. Against Sheffield United, Odegaard wasn't in that game. It was 13. Severe in the Champions League. Um, did we have did we have Odegaard for that one? Oh, why has it done that? I just want to... I just, I just want to see the stats, and it's taken me off different pages. So, Severe at home. We had... 
who played in attacking midfield? There's Nketiah, Havertz, Saka. Yeah, Erdegaard didn't play in that game either. When was the last game that he played? Was it Chelsea? Is that really the last game Erdegaard played in? I think it... Uh, Smith Rowe came off the bench. Jorginho. Erdegaard, yes. So Erdegaard, I think his last start was against Chelsea. So if we have a look at those games and the amount of shots that we had in those games. So from Chelsea, 11, 9, 10, 14, 10, 11, 18 against PSV, 14, uh, 18 against uh, Fulham. And it's not changed that much. We've had 14, 11, 13, 13, 13, 13. That's 13 in one, two, three, four games in a row. Uh, and, and that's it. So, yeah, it's not changed all that dramatically. And you and I know Damien says clear cut chances, but I'm pretty sure that you guys are, will agree with me when I say Arsenal haven't been creating clear cut chances to a high frequency all season. Really, have we? Yeah, you know, we it's just not something that we've been talking about. At the start of the season, we were talking about the fact that we weren't creating enough good chances. You know, six games in, we were saying we weren't creating good enough chances. Ten games in, we're saying that we haven't created good enough chances. And now we're still saying we haven't created enough big chances. And Erdogan has been present and not present throughout that period. So I, I don't think it's changed too dramatically without Erdogan. I just think we're playing slightly differently with and without. I think Havertz's role is different to what um, Erdogan does. Innocent says Havertz is a lazy player. That's not true, by the way. He's not lazy. He's languid in his style. His off-the-ball stats are certainly not that of a lazy player. It's like the Ozil effect. Like Ozil was languid as well. But I'd argue that where there were accusations of laziness on Ozil, I don't think they cross over in the same way with Havertz because Havertz's defensive statistics are really good. He does make really good duels and pressures. And uh, does he's, it's not that he's lazy. He's just not that style of player that looks energetic and dynamic. You know, he's, he's a lot more... I'm using the word elegant, but it is it is that he's a lot more like that. So yeah, it's um yeah it's it's not the same. Uh, mine says uh, Graham Brooks, a uh, friend of the channel on AFTV, analysing Arteta's tactics, and he thinks that it's dominating possession and taking advantage of set pieces rather than getting people into the box. And that certainly does tally because Arteta gets frustrated when Arsenal try and push things too quickly. Um, and I do think that it is about domination. It's about suffocating your opponent. It's about just kind of squeezing and squeezing and squeezing until eventually the ball just kind of just goes in the net. That's that's kind of what it is. So it is a little bit um it is a little bit more like like that. So Graham is definitely spot on. Uh, JDV says, hey Tom, did you know that out of all of our outfield players, yes, even Cedric has scored uh Bar Timber and technically Jorginho, although I'm counting his goal against Villa uh in the MLS All Stars game. Uh Cedric when did Cedric score? Have I really forgot? Is this during pre-season? Did he score in pre-season? I feel like I don't remember Cedric scoring. <laughs> um, I don't remember Cedric scoring at all. I, I, did it happen in a game that I've completely forgotten about in pre-season? Because I don't remember Cedric scoring. <laughs> um, maybe I'm wrong. But everyone, I think the chapel's gone very quiet all of a sudden because everyone's like, when did he score? When did Cedric score? <laughs> Do you mean like ever? Do you mean like like not this season? I mean, every player in the team has scored. Like, we haven't got a player that's that scored, um, that's never scored for Arsenal. Is that what you mean? If that if that's what you mean, then fair enough. But uh, I thought you meant, I was thinking, like, this season. He's definitely not scored this season. If you're saying ever, 
it's, it's cool. I wouldn't say it's like a wildly impressive stat. Um, it's, it's just quite cool that we've got every player in the squad, every outfield player has, has scored a goal. Um, let's go to uh, Stephen, who says my issue with Havertz is what he what he what does he do to contribute to the team? I'm desperate for him to prove me wrong, but I'm not seeing it. Yeah, and I think that's the right way to be to go about it, Stephen. I think you're right to have your concerns, um, but uh, I think that specifically we're, we're concerned that the effect on the team is not enough, and that we need to see more from him you know to get um to get more uh pico says all the havertz haters listen up listen up i'm sure we are all optimistic but he's slowly getting better Thierry in his first season everyone was hating on him now look at how he ended up it's not look i don't think it's fair to call everybody who has concerns about havertz a havertz hater i don't think that's fair i think havertz haters exist but i think people with concerns about havertz there's nothing wrong with that I think you can have concerns about him and not be a hater. And also the 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 comparison to Thierry Henry is it's not the same because Thierry Henry, I think, scored after what was it? Is it eight eight league games? It took for him to score his first goal. Um, something close to that, and then was fine. So I I don't think it's the same. And obviously the price tag associated with it, and obviously the frustration of what we could have done with that money instead of buying Havertz exists as well. And that's obviously a, a, a fair, fair frustration to have. So it's like temper the Havertz haters talk and be empathetic to people that have their concerns. Um, Pico says, I know, Tom, but people are being crucial. What do you mean by crucial? Do you mean like critical? I think you're allowed to be cr- critical of, of players. You, I, I'm, I never, ever ban anyone from criticizing anyone they want to if they can back it up. And I think that people can back up criticisms of Havertz. So it would be wrong to say that people can't, um, you know, criticise, you know, Havertz because I think that there there has been reason to do so. But at the same time, those people should be wanting him to succeed. If you don't want him to succeed so that he leaves, that's not being a fan, is it? It's just not very supportive. It's not the definition of what a supporter is. Um, but I think most people want to see him succeed. I think most people want to be proven wrong by Havertz because it will be for the benefit of Arsenal. Um, so that's that's something worse, uh, worth thinking about. Um, Sabre says, I do think people are being overly critical. I, yeah, I, again, that's fair. I think people are. I think some people are <clears throat> being overcritical of Havertz. But they, sh- but people still can be allowed to be critical. It's, it's when you start policing the ability to criticise um, when it can be backed up. You know, I'm very much on the on the thread of like, I find it mad when Arteta has criticised in certain seasons like this season and people go to the to the level of saying that like he should go or they still can't see why we, we've got him, you know, and I'm like, that's mad because it can't be backed up. Like there is no argument for that at all. Whereas for Havertz, there is arguments that criticise <laughs> criticise him that are fair. And so for that reason, it's just, you, you can't have it both ways. If you do, you, you're going to end up contradicting yourself. Sorry, I'm struggling with uh, a lack of hydration this morning. Um, let's go to Angelo. He's not a fan of Havertz, but honestly, I could care less about his goals. He's simply not cutting it at the moment. And again, I'm sure, Angelo, and please let us know in the chat box, that you want to be proven wrong, that you want him to prove you wrong, that you want to have to be able to hold your hands up and say, wow, I judged him too soon. What an amazing player he's turned out to be. And that's what we want. You know, we want him to prove us wrong. 
and we hope that he does. He's slowly, as Arsenal Adventures says, he's slowly improving, but he needs to step up more games this season uh, and go on with more of those harder fixtures uh, after the break. And you're right, he does. Um, we, but we need to see more, you know. We absolutely need to see more players, uh, more more top performances from players like Havertz. And I, and I really, really hope that we do end up seeing that. Um we are going to end the show there. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, let's see if we can hit that thousand light target. That'd be great to be jumping on tomorrow morning and and say that we've done that. So if you haven't dropped a like on the video, there's 883 of you watching uh, on YouTube right now. Um, and there is just under half of that have liked the video. So half of you haven't done it yet. So come on, guys, show the support. We do these shows every morning, nearly uh, 8 a.m. A lot of effort, a lot of dedication and work goes into these shows. So if you could show your appreciation, I really would appreciate you. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow, of course, with another video at 8 a.m. talking about more Arsenal news. I'm sure it's going to get pretty transfer heavy during this international break. So watch out for those links coming up because this is the last international break before, of course, the end of the year and, of course, before the January transfer window. So expect some more transfer stuff. Subscribe, turn those notifications on so you never miss a show. If you're listening on audio platforms, if you listen to me on iTunes or Spotify or things like that, please leave a five-star review as well. It's really nice of you when you do that. Um, and on iTunes, you can actually leave like a written review. And some of you have written some really, really nice things, uh, which I do appreciate as well. So thank you for that. Um, and uh, I will see you uh, on the next one. Have a fantastic start to your weeks. As I said, it is the international break, so find something outside of Arsenal also to keep yourself engaged and uh, alive and happy and well, and if that's friends and family, if it's gaming, if it's films, if it's whatever, you know, do it. So take your mind off football sometimes. It's good to have a break, but then just come back to me in the morning at 8am. Have a great day, guys. Stay safe, stay well, and as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.